Listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a World Affairs Council conversation with authoritative voices discussing significant newsmaking issues and individuals. Sponsored by Greenberg Traurig, LLP. It's hard to believe that the Arab Spring began over seven years ago, and as we know all too well, the future of those countries remains murky at best. One country, the largest in Africa, Algeria, with a population of over 40 million, avoided the unrest, and it is today considered a strong strategic partner of the United States. While stable compared to Tunisia and Libya, Algeria's land borders are closed to its neighbors, and it is locked in what can only be described as a frozen conflict with neighboring Morocco over the dispute of the Western Sahara. Today, Algeria's economy is also facing daunting challenges. To discuss these topics, I'm joined by Majid Bouguera, the People's Democratic Republic of Algeria's ambassador, who is speaking tonight at the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Ambassador Bouguera joined his country's diplomatic service in 1973 and rose quickly through the ranks, serving in a number of key positions, including Ambassador China and Germany. He has been his country's representative to the United States since February 2015. So glad to have you with us tonight. Thank you very much. Very glad to be here. So as I said just a moment ago, Algeria was able to avoid the so-called Arab Spring, unlike its neighboring countries. Why was it able to do this? I have my own understanding about what the Arab Spring. But let me just remind you that Algeria has experienced its own troubles in the 80s, exactly in October 1988. People went to the street calling for changes, calling for freedom, calling for democracy. And the changes came just a year after 1989. The single party system was abolished. We went to multi-partism. The centralized economy was abolished. We went into a market economy. And uh, of course, that came with huge opening in terms of political activities, in terms of promotion, respect of uh, human rights, and also in terms of uh, economic and social activities in the country. That certainly was a good reason or a good pretext for some faction, I will call them Islamist factions, to make use of that opportunity to try to get into power through violent means. And since then, we start being confronted to terrorism, which lasted for over 10 years, and the Algerians, they call that decade, the black decade. And many people were killed. Oh, hugely suffered. I can tell you that at least we lost 150,000 people, mm. over 40 to 50 billion dollars of destructions. And we faced that terrorism by ourselves alone. Nobody came to our help or to our assistance. We fought terrorism through security and military means. We fought terrorism through political means also, through what we call the national reconciliations. We, call it, uh, we fought terrorism through our own program of de-radicalization because we had to de-radicalize those radicalized in uh, Afghanistan and, uh, and elsewhere. We did it through uh, schools, through media, through mosques, through imams, through the civil society, and it has given a quite an impressive results. That's very interesting that you bring that up because Jordan, Morocco, Tunisia have all sent a number of jihadis, extremists, to Syria and elsewhere. Yet Algeria has probably less than 100. Indeed. I think it's thanks to that program of deradicalization. And amongst those hundreds, probably the majority came from 
Europe and mm -hmm. not directly from uh, Algeria. And that's why, including our friends here in the United States, they believe that the experience of Algeria, the way we had to launch that program of de-radicalization is a good one. And today we have organized a forum in Algeria where we put on the table our own experience in the radicalization. And today it has been taken by our brothers in Tunisia, by Egypt, by other countries, mm -hmm. trying to see whether they can learn from the Algerian experience, not only when it comes to de-radicalization, but also when it comes to national reconciliations. Look at Afghanistan. Our friends in Afghanistan are trying to make use of the Algerian experience in terms of national reconciliation. It's much more difficult case in Afghanistan, but still it has given good results in Algeria. Those who did not commit uh, blood crime have been pardoned. But all those who committed blood crime, rape and bombing and uh, so on, have to go through the judicial process and then either be jailed or freed. You know, Algeria and the United States have a very important security relationship. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. We have with the United States a mechanism called the strategic dialogue mm -hmm. at uh, the highest level on the political field. We have the military dialogue mm -hmm. between the Algerian military and the American military. In fact, we are going to meet next week in Algiers. Do we have joint exercises? Yes, and we have also, most importantly, a regular consultation on how to fight terrorism and violent extremism. We had our session uh, last September here in Washington. And uh, honestly, I can say that both parties are learning from each other. It helps not only for ourselves, but for the countries of our region. And the exchange of intelligence materials and so on is going fairly well between the United States and Algeria. Let's talk a little bit more about your domestic politics. And a potential headwind is the fact that your president, Bouteflika, is now in his fourth term, may run for a fifth term, has suffered- You say it, I didn't say it. Two strokes. What do you see as the potential in the next presidential election? Do you think he'll run? Oh, I don't think that it's time to talk about that subject. What I can tell you is that President, uh, President Bouteflika is highly respected in Algeria. He has done a lot for Algeria. And I think without him, we could not have achieved what we have achieved. He is respected not only in Algeria, but elsewhere. And today, he's at the helm of the responsibility in Algeria, managing the country through the government. And he is the one who uh, brought peace, stability, and security in Algeria. You say it, all the countries are saying it. Today, Algeria is the most stable country in the region. Algeria is the most secure country in Algeria. Read the report in Washington. It has classified Algeria as the seventh most secure country in the world. One of the potential problems is Algeria's dependence on oil. Yes. 90% of the budget it, is dependent on oil and gas. Uh, yeah, you are right. You are right. Uh, and the, so why have you been unable budget, to diversify the economy? Yeah, the state budget depends 60%. 60%. Yeah, and 95% for our external uh, revenues. Mm -hmm. And as I say to my friends, when we had this brutal decline in oil prices in 2014, we as Algerians took it as a blessing, really, because it is an opportunity we should not miss if we don't make use of this opportunity to really resolutely engage in the diversification of the economy. That will be... What are uh, the major sectors where you're trying to diversify? I can tell you agriculture is absolutely fantastic, fantastic prospect for the future. What we have done last year with American partners has already given excellent results. We have, for example, just to give you one example, we have partnership between a private Algerian and a consortium from Idaho. Today, Algeria is self-sufficient in potatoes and we are going to export potato seeds. We have three or four 
project of that size between 30,000 hectares and 50,000 hectares in the south with American partners, and you will see it's going to give beautiful results. And also the pharmaceutical industry. You know, the World Bank came out with a very interesting report. I suspect you saw it. And it noted that if Algeria and Morocco had been really able to sustain their relations, that the Maghrebian bloc, including Tunisia as well, might have been one of the most productive regional and integrated economies in the world. And yet, of course, that's not happened. The relations with Morocco are tense. What do you see for the question of the Sahara? Let me just tell you that the last report of the World Bank in the 9th of January 2018 has revisited the rate of the economic growth in Algeria from 1% to 3.6%. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, Algeria and Morocco are neighbors. Nobody will change that fact forever. One day or the other, we will have to work together. We have a divergence. We don't have any conflict with Morocco. Let me just point that. We have a divergence on an issue called the Western Sahara issue. Western Sahara issue is a decolonization issue. That territory was invaded by Morocco occupied by Morocco. From 75 to 79, it was shared between Morocco and Mauritania. 79, Mauritania withdrew. Morocco occupied the second leg of that territory. The United Nations, since that date, as well as the African Union, are trying to encourage both parties, Morocco on one side, the Polisario Front on the other, to reach an, uh, a mutually acceptable solution, which has to go through a referendum over which the people of Western Sahara will say what they want. They will have the choice between three options, either to be independent or to have the autonomy or to be integrated to Morocco. If our brothers in Morocco follow that path, which indeed was proposed by James Baker mm -hmm. in 2003, that will really bring in the solution to that issue. Because either you have a solution accepted by the people concerned of the territory, which will secure peace forever, or you will impose a solution which is not accepted by the people, and then you will continue with the problems. Both parties knowing well that a military solution cannot exist. What will move the negotiations forward? We have a lot of hope with the new personal envoy of the Secretary General of the United Nations, Mr. Horst Koller, former president of Germany. He is a man of great experience. Mm -hmm. He is a man of great integrity. He met last month with a delegation from Polisario in Berlin. I think tomorrow or day after tomorrow he will be in Morocco if he's not there already. We have a lot of hope that he will relaunch the process of negotiations between the two parties under the auspices of the United Nations. And hopefully, hopefully both parties will realize that uh, the, uh, the, the, the future of, that, uh, of, the, of the region is within reach uh, if they both uh, agree on a mutually political acceptable solution. Well, as we say in the region, inshallah. Inshallah. Thank you so much, Your Excellency, for being our guest on Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk. Let's go meet our members. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you for being with me. Yeah, th thank you. Thank you for listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Subscribe and rate Global IQ Minute on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. For information about a World Affairs Council in your community, visit worldaffairscouncils.org. Global IQ Minute is sponsored by Greenberg Traurig LLP, a global firm with 2,000 attorneys in 38 offices across the globe. 
visit the firm at gtlaw.com.